everybody. You are listening to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast, where we will be tackling real financial issues so women can eliminate fear and take charge of their lives. I am your host, Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. So let's get to it. A study by the Center for American Progress found that a woman who takes five years off at 26 for caregiving would lose $467,000 over her working career, reducing her lifetime earnings by 19%. That's almost 20%. So it has long-term implications, not only for women, but for society. But the bottom line is decisions that women are forced to make out of necessity today because they may not be able to find childcare or get help with their childcare will have often dire long-term implications for them later on in life because they just won't have enough money to live in retirement in a dignified way. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. Today is a very important podcast because I'm really talking about a macro issue. This is an issue that will directly affect many women and families and the economy as a whole. And it will also really affect the personal financial situation of many women and their families. So I feel like I really want to raise awareness about issues that directly impact women because we need to understand the political landscape that we are in right now so that we, each of us individually, can take a position and decide how we want to vote, how we want to think about this, what we're going to do about it if it affects our personal circumstances. So I'm going to talk about what's been labeled the child care cliff. So due to an end of federal funding, 70,000 child care programs are projected to close with the potential of more than 3 million children losing access to child care. That's nationwide. So what many are categorizing as this childcare cliff will affect more than just those families losing care or the childcare providers and the workers. It has the potential to have severe impact on almost every other aspect of our society and our economy. So we're going to explore this today and we're going to explore what events led up to the crisis and how the broken childcare system disproportionately affects women. So let's start with what is exactly happening right now. In March 2021, President Biden signed into law the American Rescue Plan Act, ARPA, and it provides states, it was providing states with, it's no longer, but it was providing states with $24 billion for childcare stabilization, $15 billion to supplement the existing child care programs for low-income families, $1 billion for Head Start. So it's estimated that the child care stabilization funds enabled continuing care for 9.6 million children. That's a lot of children. In the first ever economic analysis of this looming child care cliff, the Century Foundation, which is an independent think tank that conducts research, develops solutions, and tries to drive policy change, projected the impact of the cutoff for children, families, and state economies, including all 50 states and the District of Columbia. So it did a broad, you know, deep dive research into what was going to happen when this subsidization um, of child care was cut off, which it was in September. 
Here's an overview of what they found. 70,000 child care programs, one-third of those supported by the American Rescue Plan Stabilization Funding, will likely close, and approximately 3.2 million children could lose their child care spots. The loss in tax and business revenue will likely cost states $10.6 billion in economic activity per year. In addition, they are projecting that millions of parents will be impacted, with many leaving the workforce or reducing their hours, costing families $9 billion each year in lost earnings. So these are some pretty heavy-duty economic hits, right? The child care workforce, which has been one of the slowest sectors to recover from the pandemic, will likely lose another 232,000 jobs. So in six states, Arkansas, Montana, Utah, Virginia, West Virginia, as well as D.C., the District of Columbia, the number of licensed programs could be cut by half or more. In another 14 states, the supply of licensed programs could be reduced by one-third. So this is, I would say, by all definitions, somewhat of a broken system. For years, this child care system has been broken, right? The problem of high tuition prices, i.e. the price to keep your care in child care, low early educator wages, so the people who are working in there, in these facilities are getting paid not too much money, and decreasing program supply has grown in severity for several decades, but it was pushed to absolute crisis level by the COVID-19 pandemic. And this crisis exponentially impacts women. So here are a few other fun facts. And I just want to interject here before I go into those fun facts that, you know, as I've said many, many times before in my podcast, 75% of all caregiving is done by women. So what does that mean? It means that when women can't find childcare to help them out, they're probably not going to be able to work or work as much. So their personal financial situation, their ability to build net worth, their ability to make sure they're secure in retirement really gets impacted in a negative way if they cannot find some assistance to take care of their children. And this not only affects them, this affects society. It means that we may not want to have as many children. It may be that children aren't taken care of as as well as they should be because we as a society here in America, we are not prioritizing that. So let's talk about a few facts about the broken system. First of all, tuition prices. Child care costs were 28% higher in 2020 than they were in 2010. 28% higher. According to a 2021 child care affordability analysis from Child Care Aware, daycare costs more than in-state college tuition in 34 states and Washington, D.C., with the average cost coming in at almost $11,000 a year. So check this. It will cost you more to send your kid to daycare in some places than it would for them to go to state college. That's a very interesting fact. I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. So couples with kids in the U.S. spent an average of almost 26% of their income on childcare in 2016, according to a report from the OECD. That share reached as high as 47% in Bronx County, New York, according to the Department of Labor's 
Women's Bureau. So that's 47%. That's almost half of your take-home pay. That's compared with nearly 0% in South Korea and 3.5% in Greece. So clearly the United States is not, you know, putting this as a priority. And because many of our families live throughout the country, we may not have a family member right nearby to take care of our kids. So we have to rely on these other things to have childcare. And if we're not helping people to do that, it's going to have consequences. So another thing affecting why this is happening is that the early educator wages are very low. So less people are getting into the industry because they can't make enough money. Primarily women and disproportionately women of color are employees in this sector and they are significantly underpaid at an average of $13.50 an hour. And there's just decreasing supply right? Child Care Aware of America found that with the implementation of ARPA, which was the bill that Biden passed, and the, imp- you know, the implementation of those funds, the number of licensed child care centers returned to the pre-pandemic levels in 2022. So that's fantastic, right? Wait lists are increasingly long, 18% increase from 2021 to 2022, with people paying to hold spots for children a few months old or children months or years before they even conceive. So essentially, there is higher demand and lower supply. And when families aren't able to get access to care, it comes at a high financial cost. So what happens when parents can't afford childcare or can't get access? The burden exponentially falls on women. Women are taking the hit. So what are these childcare cliff implications for women? First, women are five to eight times more likely than men to have their employment affected by caregiving responsibilities. And that is from the State of Women in the Labor Market Report in 2023. When one partner needs to stay home or limit their hours or change jobs become more flexible, it often falls to the woman. And the statistics have supported this now for years. Kathy Creighton, the director of Cornell University's School of Industrial and Labor Relations, Buffalo Co-Lab, has studied childcare costs and states that this puts women at a disadvantage in career advancement, widening gender pay disparities, and affecting their personal income and future benefits. So that is on a micro level. This is what's happening to women when they are out of the workforce. All of these things are going to, they're going to have less career development. They're going to make less money. They're going to contribute less to social security. It's a super duper hit to their long-term, you know, financial well-being. What about on a macro level? Impacts on women in the workforce. There are a decreased number of women in the workforce because of all this. In 2022, American women typically earned 82 cents for every dollar earned by men. I've talked about this a lot, the gender pay disparity. From a pure financial point of view, families often make the decision for women to make adjustments to their career over men. So, you know, if it comes down to a man or a woman leaving the workforce, then usually it's going to be the woman who goes. So, We saw this in staggering numbers in the pandemic. I don't know if you guys remember, but they coined it the she session. I actually did a podcast on that. 
Exact numbers for how many women left the workforce during the pandemic vary depending on the source. But one estimate uh, shared broadly, including by the White House, was that it was about 2 million women. So the Global Gender Gap Report in 2021 predicted this increased the pay gap by 36 years, pushing it over 116 years to find pay equality. So I've read that it will take 135 years to get to pay equality because when we're making 82 cents on the dollar for, you know, every dollar a man makes, we have a long road to make up for that gap. Now, the good news is labor force participation among women aged 25 to 54 climbed to a record high this summer, this very summer in 2023, and companies have more women on their payrolls than ever before. But the bad news is, is that we're in this vicious cycle because the she session during the pandemic, again, a lot of it may be because of childcare, having to, you know, be home and deal with our kids and people just couldn't hack it with that and having to work from home. A lot of women did lose their jobs, but now we came back and we made up for all of those job losses. But now with the loss of childcare, it threatens these gains. We could be going right back to a lot of women dropping out of the workforce again for childcare reasons. Employers in female-dominated industries are currently struggling with labor shortages, such as in education and nursing, and they're going to really feel the strain a lot more now. So Pew Research found in 2022 that 70% of mothers ages 25 to 34 were in the workforce compared with 84% of women of the same age without children at home. So this amounted to the withdrawal of 1.4 million younger mothers from the workforce, as opposed to 94% of fathers ages 25 to 34 were in the workforce compared to 86% of men without children. So you can see that we are still lagging behind in participation as well. Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today. So... There has to be a shift in the types of work that women pursue or the way in which childcare is accommodated in the workforce, right? So I have been saying, and I know that, you know, some people don't agree with me, but we need to move to more flexibility for people who are childcare givers, whether you're a mother or a father, and allow more remote work so that can be accommodated. Maybe lessening hours, I think more women are starting businesses in the hope of balancing childcare and work. And sometimes that's a really good solution if you have a tight business plan and can find some funding. You know, there are a few options out there for us to pursue, but 
it, there's got to be some flexibility because juggling the childcare with the work is a very often delicate and complicated situation, and you need to have flexibility to make it work. An October 2022 report from Lean In and McKinsey found that female leaders are switching jobs at the highest rate that companies have seen in eight years since these surveys began being conducted. Women leaders are also leaving in greater numbers than men, because guess what? Women leaders often have children too. So there's a lot of effects to this. Also, another big one is the impact on the number of women deciding to have children. The childcare cliff not only impacts people who are currently parents, but it might actually be influencing the number of people, and particularly women, who are deciding to become parents. According to CNN, since 2007, the nation's birth rate has been declining about 2% each year on average. So despite early speculation about a pandemic baby boom, the coronavirus crisis accelerated the decline even further, with births falling by 4% last year. It was the largest annual decline in the number of births since 1973, according uh, to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So reasons women are deciding not to have children can include economic insecurity, political uncertainty, shifting you know, gender norms, stigma in the workplace, lack of support, a lessening stigma around the choice to remain child-free. I mean, even in the workforce, in the workplace now, often when women are pregnant, it is not an accommodating environment. The Pregnancy Fairness Act was finally passed, uh, I believe, the beginning of this year. And it took years and years for that to get passed so that women couldn't be discriminated against for actually being pregnant, that they could, you know, actually be accommodated in their jobs and have the right to return to their jobs. But it took a long time and there are still a lot of holes in that. So when people say, you know, why is the birth rate declining? Why don't all women want to have children? Well, many women, if they have their eyes open, may decide that the economic impact of having a child is too great and it may cost them their economic security and then their ability to pursue their own goals and dreams, which everyone is entitled to do. I would love for everyone to have access to childcare because in order for our society and our economy to be thriving, women need to participate in that. Also, it's good for children to have role models with their moms working, whether it's part-time or full-time, you know, having a passion, um, being economically viable on their own. These are also good role models for children to see. So what is the impact on women's long-term financial security with this childcare cliff? Well, the time out of the labor force and reduced working hours, you know, have lifelong ramifications for women's economic security. First of all, they are obviously losing earnings because they're not working at all or as much as they would. Because of that, they have smaller social security benefits and their long-term earning potential is reduced, right? They stepped out of the workforce, so there's a kind of a, a hiatus in their career development. And they also then have smaller retirement savings. And I've discussed this 
a lot over the past couple of years, right? If you're not working, you don't pay into Social Security, you don't pay into your 401k or your IRA, and all of those things, you know, add up. It's like a cumulative effect of really, really lessening your financial, you know, net worth, your your wherewithal, and your ability to navigate into the future. A study by the Center for American Progress found that a woman who takes five years off at 26 for caregiving would lose $467,000 over her working career, reducing her lifetime earnings by 19%. That's almost 20%. So she's reducing her lifetime earnings. She's reducing her ability to contribute to all these retirement vehicles that are going to help her in her old age. So, you know, this is a big hit. This is just not some academic discussion. This is real tangible information that's showing real tangible effects to real women. So it has long-term implications, not only, you know, for women, but for society. But the bottom line is decisions that women are forced to make out of necessity today because they may not be able to find childcare or get help with their childcare will have often dire long-term implications for them later on in life because they just won't have enough money to live in retirement in a dignified way. So in addition to that, there are macro implications to this, right? There's an impact on the global economy. When women leave the workforce, everyone loses. So nobody benefits when women can't work. And I don't understand why people don't seem to get this and why these subsidies have been taken away because it's not people say well you know we don't want to we don't want to have handouts we don't want to spend money but actually by not doing this it's really really affecting the economy in a negative way in a 2021 study reported on how a lack of family care policies burdens the US economy and families they estimated in that study that women's retreat from the workforce over the last two decades is costing the global economy billion each year. That's a lot of money. So, you know, this is not like some small thing. It's a big thing. The National Partnership for Women and Families calculated that GDP, that's gross domestic product, losses had increased by $97 billion from 2020 to 2021 due to the decline in women's labor force participation since the onset of the pandemic. $97 billion. That's a lot of dough. Okay. So this is not academic. It actually will have a very deleterious effect on our national economy and on the global economy. And then that means on our general living standard across the board. So in response, uh, Senator Patty Murray aptly summarized the impact we all feel when women are removed or marginalized within the workforce. And her words, not mine, but her very, very on-point words are, our lack of care policies is hurting women, hurting families, and as this report makes clear, hurting our economy. It's simple. When women don't succeed, our economy doesn't succeed, and that's unacceptable. We've got a historic opportunity to help make our economy work for every family by passing paid leave and making childcare affordable. And I'm determined to get it done. Those are the words of Senator Patty Murray from Washington. And I say, hell yeah, Patty Murray, please let's get this done. This is not just a childcare problem. It's, do- it's just not. 
The child care cliff is shedding light on a systemic problem within a broken system that will inevitably hurt us all, starting with women. Women have taken the brunt of so many economic issues over the years. Gender pay gap, lack of salary transparency, invisible labor that they don't get paid for, the motherhood penalty. The list goes on and on and on. And we have made some progress. But when a lot of women finally got back into the you know workforce post-pandemic, and now that might retrench because of this expiration now of childcare subsidies and the childcare tax credit and all of those good things that were helping fund all the childcare programs that many, many women and men use for their families, it's going to have just this really big effect. So over the next months and years, we are likely to see the cost of childcare increase as the access and availability to the care diminishes because there's the supply of it's going to go down. As women continue to be disproportionately responsible for care within our country, we will see the gender gap widen as they leave the workforce, or at the very least, it will diminish their involvement. And as a result, we are all going to be hurt by this. So I want to raise the alarm for all of you that it's important. This isn't me just ranting and raving. It has real effects on us, on women, on children, on families, on productivity of our country, on the global economy, and on the, you know, the living standard for everybody. If we want the birth rate to go up, then we need to make it a more accommodating environment for women to have children. Women should not have to make undue sacrifices that everybody else in society doesn't have to make. So that's my uh, take on this. I think it's something that's very important for everybody to think about. And if you feel a certain way about this, like I do, then you need to make sure that your vote reflects that, or you need to be writing to your congressman or woman And we all need to be not just acting like this isn't a big deal and something we shouldn't be thinking about. We need to be engaged in this conversation because it not only affects all women, but it affects maybe our daughters and our nieces and all of the women that we love who are younger, who want to have kids and also want to work, but may need some you know, some help with childcare because it's just become so astronomically expensive. So that's my take on the childcare cliff. If you have any thoughts, please feel free to reach out to me at Kim at the Fiscal Feminist. You can also go on Instagram at the Fiscal Feminist and DM me if, if you have something to say about this. I would encourage you all to have a good old think about it and keep up to date on what's going on with it because it's a really big deal and we owe it to ourselves to be informed. You know, it's really important. Thank you for listening today to the Fiscal Feminist Podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And I would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at The Fiscal Feminist or check out the website FiscalFeminist.com.
Ignorance is not bliss. As women, burying our heads in the sand when it comes to our money has dire consequences. But yet, so many of us have employed this detrimental strategy. After over two decades of experience, I've discovered that women face a twofold crisis of competence and confidence regarding how they approach and handle finances. It's time to close that gap. I wrote The Fiscal Feminist, a financial wake-up call for women to teach women how to take charge of their money and control their financial destinies. This book will help you achieve financial literacy, establish the right tools and rules for managing your money and relationships, and to plan for your future. It's time to gain and maintain financial wellness on your own terms. Head to FiscalFeminist.com to order your copy today.